You're listening to Absolute AI. Conversations with the humans behind artificial intelligence, where data scientists, ML researchers, startup founders, and enterprise execs talk about cutting-edge innovations and unique challenges posed by this new technological frontier. Tune in for interviews with leading experts to anticipate trends before they emerge. Thanks for joining us on Absolute AI, conversations with the humans behind artificial intelligence. I'm your host, Melody Travers, and today I'm speaking with Michael Wen, Inadata's VP of Global Data Practice and Partnerships. Michael is an action-driven and technology-focused business development professional with over 20 years of experience delivering state-of-the-art products and services to global enterprises. For the past five years, Michael has been focused on ground truth data for artificial intelligence and machine learning. Welcome to Absolute AI, Michael. Well, thank you very much. Let's just dive right in. Uh, Tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. Yes. So as you stated, my background, um, I've always been involved in technology, um, particularly, you know, starting my career in engineering, actually, before uh, transitioning over to sales and business development. But uh, yeah, the last five years has been primarily focused on AI. Uh, to be honest, when I first started in AI, I really didn't know much about AI. So <laughs> I had to read a lot about it, and it's quite so interesting. But but now, after five years, you know, a lot of folks have come to me and uh, consider me as uh, some sort of an AI expert. But uh, <laughs> it takes a lot of uh, reading and understanding what it is and uh, how it's being implemented. So yeah, AI is definitely very interesting um area and um yeah let's let's get into it what what was one of the best resources um that you came across when you were first getting into the subject matter uh youtube (laughs) all right (laughs) yes at at, at the beginning you know you can pretty much find anything you can in youtube so i was just going okay i'm 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 involved in ai what is this so I went and, you know, look at YouTube, listen to some of the, uh, the speeches and people talking about that. And uh, yeah, that's, to me, um, a lot of times reading, I tend to forget. But if I'm just listening, hmm. whether I'm walking, running, uh, you know, uh, in a gym, working out, I just listen to videos and people talking. That's how I get, I uh, able to retain a lot of this stuff. Oh, that's great. What were some of the things that uh, you thought you knew before you entered AI and you discovered were totally different once you were in the industry? So AI, my my thought of AI, of course, you know, everything has to do with movies, right? We see movies. Mm-hmm. AI, the movie, um, <laughs> you know, how <clears throat> AI is going to take over the world and robots, robots going to dominate a lot of stuff. But <laughs> as I get more involved in deep AI, it's much more than that. It's just not about that. It's about everyday life, mm. how it actually can improve your life, you know, whether using AI in healthcare, you know, patients care, helping doctors, uh, you know, focusing on the patients, uh, um, manufacturing, right? Uh, you take a look at, uh, look at Amazon. I mean, look at their, uh, their warehouses. They're using AI robotics to Basically, you know, pick your packages and that's how you're able to get your packages the same day sometimes, right? Yeah. So, yeah, there's just so many applications of AI anywhere. You, basically, anything you can think of, AI can be a part of it as we transition 
you know, into this digital world. I mean, AI is it. Um, hmm. Like I said, everything you do, you come home, you can say, turn on the lights and the lights come <laughs> on, right? So yeah, it's just much more than robots taking over the earth and, uh -huh. you know, and things like that. But that's, that was my first insight on AI was, wow, that's dangerous. But no, it's actually, but of course, you know, with everything in life, um, you know, technology-wise, certain aspect of it can be used in a, certain, in a certain way that we don't like, but there's also many aspects of AI that's helped us improve our lives tremendously. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about the, your, your turn into AI and, and specifically you've been working with uh, ground truth data. So how did you end up making that switch and, and what about that particular area drew you in? So primarily um, for ground truth, uh, basically, I, I guess I should give a, a, a background of what ground truth is, right? Absolutely, so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so ground truth is basically a collection of data um, from real world scenarios, right? For instance, let's just say there are data that you can um, go to the web and collect, mm -hmm. you know, people, images, whatever, that you can scrub the web. Uh, but there are no certain data that you can't. There's data that are not readily available. You mm -hmm. actually have to go out there to get it. You have to go to the ground and get it, right? For mm -hmm. instance, if somebody wants to go out there and capture uh, street signs or because uh, of the neighborhood. The neighborhood changes all the time. New houses are coming up, you know? Um, cars are in a way. So there's always changes, right? So you do have to go out there and actually get the data. So that's ground truth data. It's data that can't be manufactured. It, it's, mm. not, uh, it's not synthetic data either, you know? It's data you have to go out there and find a way to capture it, whether it's, you know, through, um, you know, certain type of scenario that you set up to get that data or someone should just go out there with the camera and just start taking pictures of, of uh, you know, street signs, cars, or whatever's out there. So that's ground truth. And, and ground truth is particularly for uh, training data, or, or can you use it for other purposes as well? Ground truth is primarily used by companies that develop products for AI ML. Mm -hmm. So it is primarily, it's a human um, in, interaction, right? that is associated with that data. Mm. For instance, facial recognition, right? You open your phone. Well, you have a device and you have a software that detects your face, right? So that's a form of uh, ground truth. And to get it as accurate as possible, you actually have to capture people's faces, right? right. And then they, then they will use that face to train the ML to identify that that's you. So what are some of the critical components to consider when you're building uh, ground truth data sets for AI? So there are three components of it. Um, the first thing you want to know is what type of data that you actually need. That's the critical part. A lot, uh, you know, recently, I, just, I had a conversation with um, one of the data scientists. Right. So these are the engineers that always works on the latest, greatest uh, products out there, right? Yeah. And I ask him, you know, what, is, what do you struggle with? What is it that you need the most? 
And every one of them always tells me that they need data, right? Mm. It's not, it's just not any data. It's data that, that, is, that they can use, that is readily available to train their ML. And the data has to be as accurate as possible, right? Mm. To eliminate certain things like biases. Even AI, there's so much bias in AI that people don't understand. You know, go back to like facial recognition, right? The only way really to eliminate bias is to capture everybody's faces. <laughs> but that's <laughs> yeah. not possible. But that's right. just not possible. So the idea is to get as much data as possible to the point where you think, okay, this is good enough, right? Mm. So the, 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 I would say getting that data and having the right data is the most important part of that. So let's talk about some of these use cases because you brought a couple of them up, but you talked about facial recognition, healthcare. Can you can you give me some uh, specific examples of types of data that, again, like you said, wasn't readily available, um, and how you and your team, you know, overcame some of those hurdles? So, being in this field, I. Get a lot of requests for really sometimes some really odd data, um, and the challenge has always been okay. Um, we understand what the the client needs, but then how, how do we get it? It's it's, mm -hmm. it's maybe we have to set up some sort of environment to, to get that data. We have to set up some sort of scenario to get that data, right? For instance. Uh, if uh, I'll, I'll give an example, if a manufacturer wants to, like a car manufacturer, right? Automatic, they want to detect, let's say, if someone is falling asleep on a wheel, hmm. right? Using AI, right? So how do you simulate that to capture that data? Fall, somebody falling asleep. Well, <laughs> you would need to. You you would have to uh, develop a, a scenario. You would have uh, you know someone sitting in a car simulating that they're you know, they're falling asleep or, you know, the blinking in the eyes, whatever it is, we'll write up a script, a scenario for that uh, uh, person to follow. And in, in the meantime, you have cameras. Mm. You, have, you have cameras in the front, you got cameras on the side, camera back, capturing the interaction. So that's how they use, and that data is how they use to train um, and detect, hey, if someone's falling asleep a lot. So that's just an, a good example of that right there, right? Yeah, so that that seemed to me though um, to get into kind of synthetic data, right? Um, I don't I don't know how you would no. You can't okay. No, you can't do that synthetic with, with synthetic so, data. So it's real data that you're collecting. You're just the scenario is synthetic, basically. Okay, okay, I understand. Well, yeah, when we talk about synthetic, what synthetic is great for is say documents, mm. right? So you want to. Uh, uh, take a look at a, 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 your cell phone bill, right? And you need, I don't know, maybe thousands of those. And it's hard to get real uh, uh, bills. So what you do is you just collect maybe a few samples and then you can create, duplicate uh, what that bill looks like. And that's mm -hmm. one area where synthetic data is really good. But when it, when it comes to human interaction, it's really hard to create a synthetic data because everyone is different, right? Everyone mm -hmm. looks different. Everyone, everyone may uh, fall asleep differently. <laughs> Everyone drives differently. Everyone looks differently. So it's, it's hard to create a synthetic data. Um, how do you guys deal with privacy concerns and privacy regulations when collecting uh, ground truth data? So that's one of the areas where I think um, a lot of folks, um, I would say that there's a lot of companies out there that are collecting data. 
And I would say that some may not be as truthful as what they're doing when it comes to collecting data. Yeah. I think you have to collect data ethically, meaning that you have to let the person know, you know, the process, what, what data is being collected, right? And what is it being used for? And let them know. You don't have to be specific as to who's, who the client is or mm-hmm. what is the product. Um, but you just, have, you just have to explain to them what that data is used for and why their data is important, right? And then, of course, they have to sign a waiver to mm. understand that, uh, yes, I allow my data to be collected and it's going to be used in certain products and things like that. So if they don't sign, then you, know, you don't collect the data from them. But I, I know there are instances where uh, companies you know, go out there and collect data without you know, uh, having the other person know it. I don't think that's ethical to do. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like Europe is really leading the charge with this, but... Um... You know, now there are banners or pop-ups on every website, and and I think this is great because it it gives people who are not you know in this world more insight into how their movements are being tracked or their information is being pulled. Um, so that I I think the the public and I think the regulators are are starting to catch up. But yeah, I mean that ethical component is very important. Well, that too, and then the other part of that is the privacy part, you know. Once you collect that data, um, you know, you're not supposed to share that data with anyone, right? It's just uh, for that project specific, whether it's for your your own product development or for the client, that data stays there. Uh, And that's how we, uh, you know, you would handle that. And of course, all of that has to be done through, again, signing a waiver and and Uh all that, and then being... uh, ISO, you know, compliance uh-huh. with data privacy, um, and, and that would be it. Yeah. And do you guys an, uh, anonymize? <laughs> you make it anonymous. I don't know how to say that. Anonymous. Um, yeah, um, anonymize is that the term? Um, so, so you may take somebody's, say it's healthcare data. You have their weight, their a- their age, but you don't have the things associated in a way that. Um, that somebody could determine, oh, it's that, it's, no. you know, it's Melody. Right, <laughs> right. Not- no, no, yes. So what, 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 what you're describing here is the uh, metadata mm. of, of that person, right? So do we need their name, address, personal information? No, we just need maybe their demographics or their white, Asian, Hispanic, right? Their height, their weight. Um, that's, that's really that, you know, for healthcare reasons, that's it. I mean, if you're mm-hmm. developing say a um um i don't know a, a a software that can capture say your uh, bmi or body fat or things like that you would need as much data as possible because when you're taking a, a a picture of someone what they do is then they just use that and then and then verify against you know all the data that's been collected and find a match right try to match it as, as close as possible to that data set that's already in the system right so you just brought up a, a really interesting example of something that is pretty private, right? Like somebody's body weight, their body type. Um, I'm sure that's something that is, you know, uh, important to associate or find correlation or causation within healthcare. 
But that's something that most people, I mean, talk about private data, you know? Um, so so just for, for something like that, how would you approach um, trying to get, you know, I maybe not this example or another example, but but data that um that is, you know, a, as as private as it gets, I guess. Right. So the key to that is is in the messaging, right? Um, without mm-hmm. going into much, you know, details about it and how we actually do it, but you really have to just sit down and explain to that person why uh, their data is important, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's to improve a certain products, services, and at the same time, it's for their own benefits too, right? I mean, when was the last time if, if somebody gets a body scan, for example? Mm. N- none, right? So wouldn't you want to know, you know, what your current uh, BMI or body fat or heart rate or, you know, what is your current stat looks like? And, you know, part of the, say, participating in something like that is that you get a, you get a free scan. Mm. So at the same time, you know, you're helping out, uh, you're helping uh, to improve a certain technology or developing new technology that would uh, detect, uh, you know, body composition may be uh, a lot better than what it is today. But again, you know, it's it's a messaging, and again, you know, we, they, they'll have to sign a waiver that they yeah. totally understand. If they don't, then they don't. Yeah. So. Absolute AI is sponsored by Inadata, a leading data engineering company. From startups to enterprise, Inadata delivers ground truth training data and customized AI services and platforms at scale. Learn more at Inadata.com. That's so interesting. So, um, you know, we're we're so focused on technology, uh, you know, in this podcast especially, we we often are talking about algorithms and we're talking about data from a very um I don't know, impersonal perspective, but what you just talked about is very uh based on human interaction, right? You are you're seeking something and like you said, you have to you have to message it in a way where people understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, why it's important. Um, and, and those are things that, um, you know, are, are really soft, soft human skills making their way into, um, into this very scientific area. That's so interesting. Yes. I mean, the data itself, it's, uh, it's, it's important to get, but, uh, you know, a lot of the challenge is, especially with human data, right, is getting people to participate hmm. in the study or the survey or whatever it is that we're trying to uh, collect out of them. And again, you know, it, it comes down to messaging. If you have the right message and have them, uh, you know, understand why the data is important, hopefully they'll participate in, in the survey, at the, you know, and uh, there may be, you know, a, a gratitude or some pricing that is available to them for participating. But again, you know, that's, uh, you know, I, in every project that I work with, um, you know, we take that approach very, very uh, truthfully and mm-hmm. let them, them know that what we're doing without, you know, um, having uh, the disclosure of the client or any other personal stuff, but just more of, hey, this is why we're doing it. This is why your information is helpful. And if you want to participate, great, please mm-hmm. sign a paper. <laughs> 
though, what kinds of data, um, you said human focused, but uh, can you give me some more examples of um, the types of data that are really easy to come by and then the ones that are the hardest to come by that, that have been the most challenging and, and, but still important? Okay, I would say the uh, the easiest of objects, like everyday objects, okay. right? For instance, <laughs> like the companies that are developing, say, food, right? People want to capture thousands of images of food. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, set up in a dining room table you know, with different variations of what a dinner plate looks like, what a breakfast plate looks like, and, and what a lunch plate looks like. That's easy. Objects, right? There's no human involved. There's no need to sign any waiver or anything like that. Um, so objects quite easy environment, quite easy. You can just go out there and with your camera and go out and take pictures. Of, uh, if it's in a public area, hey, you can take pictures, right? So none of that stuff. Right. Uh, the hard part is, I would say, getting to a little bit more different challenges is like speech, right? Okay. So speech itself, because there's so many different languages, dialects, regions, accents, you know? So recruiting the right people for the right accent or the right region is a challenge mm. enough and then get them to sign an agreement even though we're not using their face we're not using others that we're just using their voice it's still a challenge to some people that hey i don't want to do it so mm -hmm. getting to that so that's that's challenging um the other one is uh, I, I mentioned earlier is a uh, scenario where you have to set up an environment for instance like you know trying to simulate um, you know, somebody falling asleep in a car. That's, that's tough to do because you have to have the right scenario, right script to do it. And you have to do it over and over and over again until the client says, yeah, that is the data. That, that is, that's exactly what we need, right? Mm. So that, that's challenging. Uh, and the last one, of course, we just talked about is human, human data. That's, human data is the most challenging, especially when it involves you know, capturing the, any part of their body. Is uh, especially the face, right? Where uh, a lot of people hesitate to do that. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, especially with minority groups, um, it's a challenge because you know there's this tendency that hey, are you gonna target me? Are you using yeah. this you know, for targeting? You know, so that's that's a challenge. Human data that is the toughest step. Yeah, with um, I was reading with facial recognition that now people are or it has been developed that you basically have like a facial fingerprint, right? So you've got your actual fingerprint, um, but that is something that you know unless you've been booked for some crime, nobody has access to. But your face, which is um, it, each face is totally unique. Um, and the fact that there's, you know, facial, facial fingerprints now, like I was at the airport and, and they said, oh, we don't, we don't need your information. Just, just sit there in front of the camera. And it, they were using facial recognition at the airport. And honestly, I felt a little taken aback. I thought, oh, I, I guess this is, you know, I show my ID, I show my face, but usually to a person and, um, yeah, I, I wasn't sure how I felt about that. Well, I think anytime you step out of your house in a public environment, there are cameras everywhere yeah. capturing your face, you know? So the idea is that really, it, it, in many ways, the only way really to improve that is to have as many, as much data 
as possible.、Hmm. That's really the only way to eliminate、um, bias when it comes to facial recognition. Because right now,、uh, the biases is ten is ten towards more you know darker skin type of people because it's harder to detect. Yeah.、Um, but to eliminate that, yes, you need as much. But really, there's 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 always going to be some biases when it comes to facial recognition. Yeah, you mentioned some of the some of these different pitfalls for training data. What are some of those biases that can slip in there, and what are ways that we can overcome those? Well, certainly you cannot eliminate. I don't think we can, you can eliminate biases in AI.、Um, but what you can do is get as much data as possible.、Mm-hmm. So when there is a A comparison, you know, if it's comparing your face to somebody else's face, that it can recognize. Okay, you are not that person, right? And、okay. that's really the only way to do that.、And、like I said, the only way really to limit biases is let's just say how many people in the U.S. Three、uh, hundred million people in the U.S.、Yeah. If you want to eliminate that, you may have to go out there and scan three hundred million faces. But then again, but then you have people with、uh, dark skin, light skin, brown skin, long hair, short hair, no hair. So you have to get all of that, yeah,、um, to 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 ensure that you know that you're not mis the the the,、uh, the software the AI is not mistakenly you for someone else, and、mm. that really that's the only way to eliminate that or at least、um, you know control that the bias. But I I don't know if there's a way you can actually eliminate 100. To be honest with you. Yeah, I I think that that's、um, I I like that that's an honest answer.、Um, there's a lot about mitigating bias, but you're absolutely right.、Um, you know, all all of the systems are are going to have some some imperfections. It's just important that we know what those are, and especially in those cases where it is something that.、Um, You know, it will have an impact on an individual's life. Yeah. So, I mean, if、uh, if it's actually mistaken, say, you know, an Asian man for an African man, or or vice versa, that just means that we need to go out there and get more data to to get into the system to to train to better tra- train the ML to recognize it. So. I、uh, I want to move into some kind of more general insights about AI.、Um, I was wondering, f- how do you see the evolution of AI、um, as it as we are hopefully coming out of the pandemic?、Um, where where are we today, and 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 what's the next crest that that you're seeing in front of us? So the evolution AI is is continue evolving.、Um, I think、uh, we we see it every day already, right? But I think the next really in, in healthcare is 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 where it's going to be taken to、um, the the next phase. I mean, we we see it already. You know, robots doing surgery with doctors. You know, that are、uh, located at a, a different facility or things like that, right? And that's going to continue to improve. And then now you're talking about Uh, so driving cars, right? It's happening right now, but it's not quite there yet. I, I think I、yeah. read somewhere that in about maybe fifteen, twenty years or so, that、uh, the cars will be totally autonomous, and there, you know, there wouldn't be any need of a person actually driving the car. The, the, the car can drive itself, right? Well, that's fine by me. I don't like driving. <laughs> I do hope that there's like autonomous public transport. 
transportation though, because the focus on just, you know, one person in that ride, I, I hope it expands further out. And I know there's been some big developments in trucking, you know, to, to help with some of the strain on, like you were talking about, uh, drivers falling asleep, which is so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's just not, uh, for a personal, uh, vehicle, you know, we're talking, you know, public transportation buses, right? We're talking, uh, uh, I don't know, Uber or Lyft mm-hmm. that could come pick you up and there's nobody in the car, right? <laughs> <laughs> and things like, and then delivery. Um, it's already happening. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to continue to improve. And of course, uh, you know, we, uh, uh, drones, right? I mean, you, you, AI and drones that are you know, dropping packages in your, in your front doorsteps and things like that. All that stuff, it's, it's going to continue to evolve. And, and again, that's where I think AI actually help us in many aspects in, in terms of our daily lives. It can help us do a lot of things that we can't do ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I think especially in healthcare, uh, where uh, AI is going to take off. And um, for instance, I think uh, I just read that one of the companies is working on an AI, um, say, um, you know, like for, for home in care, right? Mm. Uh, if you in the past, let's just say that you uh, you fall down, right? And you can't get up. In the past, uh, you have to press a button or something like that for uh, to get uh, you know dial nine one one. Now through AI, maybe through Alexa to some voice command, you can say help, help, or something like that, right? And oh, wow. uh, it will, yeah. it will uh, call you know nine one for you. So things like that um, that continues to evolve. Yeah, that's great. All right, um, I'm coming around to my last question. Uh, this is a little bit of a goofy one. Take it in whatever direction you want. But uh, if you were to write a sci-fi novel about the year 2042, what would the world look like and have the robots taken over like you thought back before you were in artificial intelligence? So growing up, I watched The Jetsons a lot, right? So there was... Uh... What's that, that the flying, the flying uh, spaceship? That, yeah, that, and it folded up in his um, in his briefcase. I yes, thought that was so cool. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, that thought was something cool. Yeah. So in twenty years, that's I envision that is that we're not going to be driving. I mean, wherever we go, you know, driverless cars, definitely for sure. Uh, you don't have to carry your wallet anywhere. Mm. You know, everything's going to be, uh, you know, either recognized by your, your face, your eyes or your palm or your fingerprints or wherever. Um, yeah, um, that's that, that's where the future is headed. Um, it's it's kind of scary if you really you know think about it. But at the same time, um, it's, it's, it's something to look forward to. And I know that maybe not our generation, but the next generation, they're going to take a look back at where we are and says, Wow, you guys use a phone, you know, <laughs> where they may not even have to use the, you know, it'd be completely different through AI. You know? I told my nieces and nephews that our phones used to be attached to the wall, like corded, and they're like, "No way!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited for AI where it's going, and like I said, there's so much things that AI can do for us to uh, help our everyday lives. Well, I think the work that you're doing is really important to, again, getting that that data, especially for groups that are underrepresented, um, which has a, a 
as you said, it's becoming so integrated and ubiquitous in our lives, and it needs to be representative of you know all the different types of people out there. Yeah, yeah, I I, uh, I would agree with that, and uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Um, I'm. Let's wrap up with uh, some calls to action. How can people get a hold of you? Um, what can you help with? Anything? Anything else like that? Sure. So uh, you know, as we mentioned from the beginning, you know, for the past five years, I've been primarily focused on uh, AI and uh, ground truth data and how to get data for not just for perhaps you know our own use, but for client as well. Um, so if you need, if anyone needs help, uh, if you're developing an AI product or you need help uh, with data in terms of say, um, you know, humans, uh, objects, maybe spaces or speech, well, maybe you have a scenario that you want to, uh, um, you know, script to, uh, to get the data. Uh, I can certainly help with that. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. If you search for Michael T. Nguyen, I'm like, probably one of the top that pops up every time. So mm-hmm. please do connect with me on LinkedIn. I uh, love to connect and uh, find out more. And if there's anything I can help, I surely would. It's uh, like I say, AI is, is very, very exciting field. And the types of data that we need will continue to grow as new AI products are being introduced. That's the one thing about ground truth data. It's like the data that we capture today will not be the same as the data for tomorrow because things change. People change, you know, environment change, everything changes. So we'll have to continuously capture that data. Well, thank you so much. And we will put your uh, links, your LinkedIn profile in the show notes and um, links to Inadata. And thanks so much for joining me, Michael. This was a delight. Right. Well, thank you so much, Melody. Thanks for tuning in. We make this program for listeners like you. So if you enjoyed this episode, share it with your community, write a review or drop us five stars. Every little bit helps spread the word. See you next time.